All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of The Lab. As always, sitting with you is Alex Trotter, Brandon Weirig, and I'm Lou Follenkamp. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed the insight and the discussion last week on uh, the different classes and availabilities over at No Name Athletics. Uh, we hope you guys are going to take advantage of that. Um, like I said before, reach out to Alex and Brandon if you guys are interested in any of those classes, the open weight room, uh, or even if you're an athletic director and you're looking to get the speed school brought to you, uh, and your athletes, I mean, I highly encourage that, but go ahead and get a hold of them. Uh, today, we're going to kind of take a little bit of a dive back into some of the science of, uh, you know, strength conditioning. And we're going to actually talk about blood flow restriction training today, uh, or as some people would call it, occlusion training. Uh, for those of you who maybe have been with me as a patient, uh, you may have been exposed to the uh, blood flow restriction training. Um, but it's just a wonder wonderful little tool that we have available to us. Um, and if you've been a patient and you're training over at No Name Athletics, that's also something that we can talk about maybe implementing on your road to recovery. Um, but basically, the, the goal of that, that tool, right, is it's basically almost like a blood pressure cuff that is inflated either up around your shoulder or down up around the, like basically the, the hip joint, um, where you're inflating said blood pressure cuff in order to create uh, a lower threshold for change, essentially, is because what we're trying to do is by essentially recording and finding at what rate you get a full occlusion, which that's very hard to do, um, you're basically going to be able to set certain parameters for that occlusion rate, with other, whether it's 65 to 80%, never going up to 80%. I usually stick around 65. Um, but the whole goal of it all is basically just to create physiological responses uh, in order to reap the benefits of training, but with less basically loading. Uh, so imagine if you needed to hit like a 315 pound squat because 225 no longer creates that change or is too low of a stimulus for change, then what you can do is add in the blood flow restriction cuffs and you can essentially lower that threshold for change. Uh, the wonderful thing about this is that you can use this at any stage of your training. Let's say you're hitting a point where maybe you need to have a little bit less load through you, but you still want to hit the same amount of training intensity, you could still utilize this form of training as kind of like a little port in the storm if you would need to for a week. Um, I know I've used it with Brandon. I've used it on you before, haven't I? Oh, uh, for like fun stuff, not really for actual <laughs> specific things. Fun stuff. No, we did it. We did. We did it with my groin. Actually, I remember that. Yeah. I was gonna say I could have sworn we did it for your hip the one time. Yeah. But I don't. I don't think the cuffs fit on Trotter. So. <laughs> Okay. He's never been able to do it. That's all right. I, I mean, I've done similar stuff. I've just used a knee wrap before, so a little mm -hmm. bit harder to judge, but we can crank it pretty good. True. True. Um, so what have you guys seen in regards to, like, the blood flow restriction training, uh, you know, in strength and conditioning, as well as with some of the different athletes that we've kind of shared between the physical therapy realm and into the strength and conditioning realm? Um, it, it gives them that, that feel of it's working again. Cause you know, mm -hmm. you, you get athletes that are, let's say they're just coming back from a whatever and they're just doing goblet squats or something real simple where it's kind of boring and you're not really feeling mm -hmm. the effect where you put the blood flow cuffs on and then you can do them squats and then they do have that, that I'm training kind of feel again. So I think on a mental aspect, it definitely helps there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. And um, you can take them to the 
the realm of the uh, the set or the reps where it's already burning, if mm-hmm. you will. So they kind of get a feel of like what it's like and what it takes for those said muscles to start uh, firing. And it teaches them to like think on how to move their move themselves while they're straining at the same mm-hmm. time. I think it's very important for athletes um, to know what to do and not panic during a during a straining moment mm-hmm. no, i agree with that i definitely think that you know that strain and everything that people feel um is actually kind of a wonder especially when you're an athlete and you're going through the the, the initial phases of rehab let, let's say like an acl um you get to that kind of middle ground point where you're still not technically allowed to stress the area as much as you probably want to just because of you know respecting the healing time and making sure that you adhere to the protocols to a degree just so that you can allow for a gradual return back into actual strength conditioning. But the nice thing about this is that you can put a little bit more of like a metabolic stress to the area, like for example, the quadriceps, um, and you can basically help to bring in and signal. It's like tricking your brain uh, for a healing response. So, I mean, there's a lot of different benefits to this, right? So you can basically promote muscle growth. You can promote, you know, muscular endurance. Um, There's going to be a release of growth hormone, insulin, like growth factor, Um, it can also help to kind of set the stage for when you do get into some of the heavier weights, your quad's not going to feel like a baby deer all over again. Um, that's one thing. Actually, there's a cool story about both restriction training, uh, Jared Fleming, the Olympic weightlifter. Usually what you'll see after an ACL tear is, is the quad will actually atrophy or kind of waste away. And the awesome thing he did with his physical therapist was he was actually able to maintain his quad mass so that when he actually got back into training, he didn't have to worry about like the loss of cross-sectional area. He actually grew his quads with the blood flow restriction training, which I thought was just one, absolutely insane. But two, that man pushed himself so hard, but like, I mean, obviously within reason, but like he adhered to the program that his PT had set up and he maintained. And when he went back to squatting, I think he hit like 225 for like 10. And it was like unheard of for like someone to maintain their quad mass at that same time. Um, another thing. I know. Isn't that nuts? Like, that's crazy. How do you maintain your quad mass with that? It's just insane. Um, you use a lot of that before, uh, before surgery though, too, don't you? Like if you got someone oh, who's yeah. their ACL and they have uh, three weeks before the surgery starts, you use that all the time. Don't you? Oh yeah. So that's actually one of my, my big things that I love to do is like when people, I will put people through a, cause you know, you have a torn ACL, you have a torn meniscus, we got to find a way for you to kind of like not just ditch all the training stimulus that you just built over the last how many months as an athlete. And so one of the big things I like to do is I actually have a certain like, it's kind of like a feel based on the patient, but I have like a particular protocol, both for lower body and upper body for like strengthening with the BFR cuffs that I like to have my athletes follow before they go into surgery, because the, the better your range of motion and the better strength you have before surgery, the better the outcomes after And that is why this can be such a great addition. It shouldn't be like the only thing you do, but like, it's such a great addition to a prehab and a post like, you know, surgical intervention kind of like program, because you can maintain your, your, basically your training stimulus with low level exercises so that you can basically get back right after surgery. I I don't want to say as fast as possible, but it definitely like augments what you're going to be able to do earlier on in your phases of rehab. That's for sure. You know, it's, as a, a basketball player, 
<laughs> yeah, I didn't know okay. I was gonna name drop, but no, I was gonna say we, we won't name drop, but um just for the the sole purpose of like what we did, like I did have a basketball player who had come in before surgery, I mean torn torn ACL, uh tibial plateau fracture, just a lot of different things going on. And we were able to maintain his quad mass and he did not lose. He maybe lost a centimeter, but it, like it wasn't like a whole bunch. And you want to talk about someone who has excelled greatly through his post-surgical rehab. He has been able to dominate at each phase of his return back to sport. Um, I mean, we, we use the, the cuffs beforehand. We use the cuffs after. And now we still use it a little bit on and off, basically just for like um, – unilateral training just to kind of continue that symmetry between the quad and the hamstrings for the left and right legs. But I mean, if you're an athlete and you are going to be setting up for surgery, uh, the biggest thing you can do is, I mean, honestly, if you, if you, you don't even have to work with me, find someone that does blood flow restriction training and has a decent protocol for you to follow on strengthening so that you can keep yourself in like literally in the game um, before you have to go under the knife. It's just a nice addition. Mm -hmm. absolutely now um literally you're gonna have to explain this one but uh kind of the same aspects i guess but in a mm -hmm. recovery sense so like how was how was like flossing and like normatech that use that kind of same kind of they obviously restrict blood flow but they use it more as the, the recovery side of it so it's the level of compression and then the single point so when you think about a compression like a normatech sleeve it's kind of the entire circumference around the extremity. So imagine if you had a single point on a hose as opposed to constantly compressing the entire hose. That makes sense? Yeah. So if I yeah. kink the hose in one area and I have the cuff all the way up at my hip, I'm going to basically be occluding um, or restricting the return of my vein back to my center. So what happens is I get the buildup of metabolites down into my leg. Um, but then with more of like the Normatec compression, you're going to be getting kind of a whole extremity compression. So it's just going to be forcing the fluid out of the extremity as a whole, because I'm basically not restricting the return back to the center. I'm restricting the amount of fluid to go down into the extremity or also whatever excessive fluid is down there to come back up and out. Or so they claim. But yeah, good and question. same kind of, what about uh, like flossing? Say it again. Kind of, so something is still fully wrapped around uh, flossing with the floss band. Oh. Mm -hmm. So with the flossing, you could think of that as being more along the lines of a. I like them for like a, a warm up type deal, but it's not right. going to be the same kind of stimulus because you can't sustain a particular grade of pressure or a percentage of pressure with the band, and you don't know how much you're actually putting onto it. So, I mean, you're going to see that the hands start to kind of turn purple if you do it on like your forearm. Sometimes with my hand, my grips are just going to crap. I'll really floss my forearm. Um, but what happens with that is that you have that pressure. You're going to get everything moving. So you're almost kind of like building up the pump. And then as soon as you take that off, the blood rushes through. So it's almost like you're developing an activity level. You take it off, it floods through. So then you feel, quote, unquote, warm and ready to go. So it's a little different because you're not necessarily restricting it out as much as you are in. December 2021, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Stupid. Fun. <laughs> we got Squattober first. Uh, that's how I survived December 2021. <laughs> <laughs>
uh, it'll be a good time. It'll be a good time. Um, but no, if anyone ever has any questions on blood flow restriction training, the voodoo flossing or the, uh, well, Lord help me, the Normatec compression sleeves, um, you know, talk to Alex and Brandon, or if I'm in the gym, or if you even want to stop over to the clinic and talk to me about it, that's fine too. Um, you know, get a hold of me. We'll talk. Any other questions? And if we want to go even more in depth on uh, blood flow restriction training, we can, but I might save some more of like the in-depth science and physiology for more of the garage gym PT. Any other questions? I'm good. Nope. <laughs> all right guys well we hope you guys enjoyed today's discussion on blood flow restriction training uh if you want to give it a shot and you want to you know see what it's all about um let me know but we will see you guys in the next episode